Oh, hello and welcome to another episode of the Footy Dictionary. It's the the much heralded closing in on the much heralded episode ten. We're at number seven, Hamish Show. Brian, how are you feeling, Matt? Uh, very, very well. It's uh, good to be back. It's been a little while, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Has been a little while. And we've got a very, very special guest today for things about football, as we call this series. But first, before we go to our very special guest and talk about his niche loves and niche hates of footy, Hamish, for you, some adjudications. The tribunal. First off, on the AFL women's website and app and all the media going around, they've got the um, abbreviations for all the stadiums. So Icon Park is IKP, Adelaide Oval's AO. RSA, RSA Park and Rabin's RSA, Victoria Park, Collingwood's home ground. They've gone with VIPC. <laughs> Surely you agree with me. That's not acceptable. That's that is pretty deplorable. Um, it's so <laughs> obvious to go something that isn't VIPC. Where does the C come into it? Because if it's VIC, yeah, that makes complete sense. What other option do they have? Is there? Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> blasphemic, if you ask me. And I think we were we were talking in the group chat. I think the maximum you can go with for an abbreviation is four letters, unless it's like a GMHBA, then you just go with GMHBA. So, what what would you go with for Vic Park? Like a VICP or a VP even? Either, I reckon VP or VIC. I mean, there's no yeah, other. Yeah, VIC. I don't reckon there's any other stadiums or grounds around that are rolling with VIC as their abbreviation, so I'd probably stick with that. I'm on board with that, uh, absolutely. Yep. Uh, Ryan Daniels from <laughs> Channel 7 in Perth, are you on board with that? <laughs> I am. I can't understand where the C comes from. So it's it's got to be VICP or VP, right? There's no mm. – even if you went VICPK – or like or VPK maybe I just it, yeah that's hideous to me hideous VICPK is a little bit clunky for me but oh, I agree with you VP VICP that would be yeah acceptable for sure but uh, Hamish you you had a question for an adjudication for our guest I do now uh, Rhino as you as you've come to be known we were we Harper and I were discussing pre-show about footballing nicknames, animal-related nicknames as such. We got the pig, we got duck, we got fish, we got, we got spider, we got birdman, we got them all. I want to ask you, are there any animals that have been shunned, underrepresented from the footballing nickname vernacular? Well, we've also got horse, right? Horse, horse small horse. Absolutely. Um, yep. So that's that's another one too. Look, I think you're gonna. It's the it's the names of like we got goat. Do we have do we have a goat? Is it Ablett Junior? Is that do we give him goat? We we, we that, raised that free show as well. But does that like is he named after the animal? I think he's just named after the initialism, isn't he? Yeah, so, that's true. It's yeah. not really the animal itself. I, I'd like to see more um, farm animals brought into it. I mean, like a cow. Like, yeah. why does the cow not get okay. a run? The cow gives us so much. It yeah. gives us milk and, and yogurt and ice cream and mm. beef and what we can't <laughs> get a representation. Like, But no one wants to be called the cow. No one wants that. That's the well, problem. Paddy Cripps, Matt Fife's a bull, but what, what would a cow be? What kind of player or person would a cow be? 
Well, if they're the inside ball, the cow would have to be, you'd say, an outside player then, wouldn't you? I mean, but they're not very fast either. Yeah, Got to be reliable. This is why there's no cows. This is why. Mm, or someone who's got like a, a moo in their last name, like the, the moo Oh, sound. yeah. Yeah, I don't know yeah, who, yeah. That, who that would be. Um, mm. I was going to suggest like mm. a, a work a workhorse type player, but then that just takes them into the horse range, I suppose. So it's mm. doubling up against itself, but they, they'd have to be reliable. What about someone who like, like milk spree kicks a lot? Because then you've got the milk... Oh. And the yes. cow, you know, like someone who stages, like, you know, one of those small forwards who, what about like Hayden Ballantyne would have been a good cow because he was always milking everything, you know, like gets a little nudge. He's a bit too Just, small to be a cow though, stuff. maybe. Cows need to be a bit bulkier. He's more of a calf. calf than a cow. Yeah. A calf. <laughs> yeah, but the, <laughs> the, cow, the calves don't produce milk is the issue. And also it's usually the fans or the teammates of a player that, Anoint a nickname on onto the player, and you wouldn't really give a player a nickname about milking for free kicks. Like Joel Selwood's teammates wouldn't call him the cow or take the that's a good point for kicks (laughs) publicly. The the cows, it's like um, adored in like Indian culture, right? They're the ones who love the cows. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like they respect the cow so much, and we just we pretend like it doesn't exist in sport. I know um, former Essendon number 41 who might have played about 20 games, Ben McNeese, had some uh, Indian (laughs) Indian ancestry. Um, So maybe he could be the cow, potentially. Again, he would have been the cow. That's what they used to call him, Ben McNeese, the cow. (laughs) (laughs) And we've also got Andrew McGrath, the pigeon, uh, Wayne Kerr, the ducks, we mentioned Michael Hurley, the bear, Jason Dunstall, the pig, Kevin Murray, the bulldog, with some that we have listed down. Ricky Nixon was uh, chicken. I was was about to say, do not forget the chicken train. (laughs) (laughs) And another chicken who I've actually got a bit of a deep dive about is a man who played from 1930 to 1940, Brownlow medalist in 33 for Fitzroy, Wilfred Smallhorn. Yes, I I remember that name. Yes, I remember when I used to, like, memorise all those Brownlow medalists and stuff, and I remember (laughs) laughing at that guy's name every time. It was Mm. one of the great names in footy. And he, the nickname is so kind of bedded in to footy culture and just the, the way we speak about him, that the title for him on Wikipedia is Wilfred Chicken Smallhorn. You don't get Wayne Duck Carey on Wikipedia. It's that, it's that big. It's amazing. So good. <laughs> um, so good. But speaking of so good, I reckon it's just about time we get into your niche loves and hates, Ryan Daniels. So you've got three for each, three niche loves, three niche hates of footy. Do you want to hit us with your first niche love, please? First, can I say I love this concept because it wasn't until you asked me to start trying to work out what my niche loves and hates were that I realised there's so many things that you just don't think about and that's why you love the game, but you don't realise it's why. Like everyone just sees highlights and, you know, grand final day and yada, yada, yada. But this is the stuff I think that actually is the undercurrent. It's really important. So well done to you boys for pulling this out. So my first one, uh, I don't know if you've, if I have to do them in the order I sent you and I've lost the order, so I'm just going to go with it. Um, I love footy songs that have 
a brass instrument. Now, I think if you look at the songs, let's go through the teams with great songs, right? You've got the Sydney Swans, the Dees, Richmond, North Melbourne. They're some of my favourites. And the other one is one of the new kids on the block, GWS, which I think have somehow bucked the trend and and made a modern footy song that stands up with some of those all-time great songs. If you look at the ones before GWS, Gold Coast, that song sucks. The Brisbane Lions, that song sucks. The Adelaide Crows, sucks. Eagles, Dockers, Port, they all suck. None of them have any brass in them. None. So if you're ever creating a new club, if the people who are making the Tassie team are listening to this, don't muck around with anything other than a brass instrument. Get the whole band in there. Like, you just you don't try to be too clever and too modern. It's brass all the way. Mm, that was that, that was so like, powerful. <laughs> I, Absolutely. We, we need to clip that up and send it to the AFL. That was... We <laughs> do. <laughs> I just... You can't tell me that you sit in the crowd before a big game and the D song comes up, you know, keep your eye on the red and the, and then the, that's, that's just magic. But then you've got the power song comes on and it's just like, come on, man. Like uh, this does not do anything for me, like anything at all. You remember that week when the giants made the grand final and the big, big sound memes, like yeah, one of the best weeks I've ever had in football, like uh, for no reason <laughs> at all. That, they did. It just took over my life that week. I was like, I just hook them into my veins. I need more big, big sound. And and like that's what I'm saying. They just they figured out the recipe, man. I, I'm going to give Sheedy credit because I know Sheedy would have been involved somehow in that. One of the dudes from the Cat Empire, if you know, that band was actually involved in writing the GWS song. Um, really? So massive credit to him too. I think it might have been Harry James Angus. I could be wrong on that. I might be picking the wrong band member. Um, the Cow. But also, the, <laughs> the Cow. <laughs> Harry James Angus the Cow. We've got it right there. We've, we've got, we're only 10 minutes in. We've gone full circle. We just ended the recording Dave. there. <laughs> Bang. I'm uh, <laughs> But... What really irritates me, like you said, um, Port Adelaide and Freo and West Coast, they didn't don't have any semblance of any brass at all in their nah. songs. But Brisbane's really irks me because you're meant to have the full kind of mirroring of the verse in the brass version, of course, between the verses. Brisbane gives a little dangling of it. They, yep. It's like a four bar two bar thing it's that bit's pretty good another verse yeah yeah it's that good bit's pretty but why good. don't they go the whole hog yep i agree they just oh. teased us a little bit there see i don't like that uh, and that's what frustrates me about those songs there's no pace to them there's no there's there's nothing that makes you get up and want to dance. Like, you're going to want to have to dance to a footy song, right? Like, even Carlton, like, my, one of my best mates is a Carlton fan, and I remember, like, when we were growing up, I used to give him so much shit about their song because, to me, it kind of sounds like like the song you'd put on in an old people's home to get them up and dancing, like, <laughs> just a little bit of a slow-moving sort of vibe. But yeah, I love absolutely. it. Like, it's, it, it's so charming in its own way, but it's, you know, it's built for senior citizens. Mm. Um, I don't think that the uh, Brisbane theme song is the only 
um, music play at the Gabba that we'll be talking about episode. We might come to that in your hates. Um, <laughs> but we spoke about this with Daniel Churdy as well, and I know we're bringing it up for the second episode in a row. But one of the great things about listening to footy, especially on the radio, on the TV as well, but it's when um, the you you have the commentator. So the final siren goes, and then the commentator will say, "Final score: Brisbane ten eleven seventy one to Carlton nine three fifty seven. And then the first verse plays, and then their instrumental brass bit plays, and they give their little recap summary of the game during that brass bit. And then the verse, the second verse comes back in, and then they let that play out. It's beautiful and time to. Perf- when it's time to perfection, it is just something to behold. I want them to do that at my funeral. Like, so, <laughs> like, at the part where, like, before the eulogy, just be like, he was 75, and then, like, bring on the song, and then, like, wait a little bit, and then, then do the rest of the eulogy. Like, because that's poetry. I listened to that episode this morning, and I was like, that it's it's something you this is what I was saying before you never talk about this stuff but it's in your soul and you feel it and now that we've brought it up we're all going to recognize it a little bit more I think next year when we're sitting at the footy but and and it's the same for when when they're running out and there's that little moment where the commentary teams just kind of let that first bit play that real powerful bit at the start of, of if it's a good song if it's a brass song um, and then it pumps out, and you just get that. Oh, I'm alive! Like there's there's nothing quite like it. So yeah, I I, I totally agree with that. Um, Post game siren goes, great little bit of commentary. Leave it, and then let come back to it after the the main punk is out. It's that is beautiful stuff. I think full credit has to go to the Fable Singers for getting yes such a such a simple formula so right. Like they they did it the first time probably played a, a little demo and went, this is perfect, we'll leave it here. And they've gone, just a little instrumental, chorus, instrumental, chorus, bang, that's it. Yeah. And they've done that for yeah. all 10 songs at the time or whatever it was, and they've stuck with that, and that's how it should be. That's one of the things I think, like, I, I, I did a deep dive on this a few years back about these Fable Singer dudes and, like, how they basically sung every single song other than the brand new ones. And it they got hardly any credit for it really, did they? They didn't make that much money out of it. Like they sort of got paid like a wage or something to come in and just sing. Like these guys are like icons in our sport. They should be like out there on grand final day with, you know, with, with, um, oh, it's, my, it's left my brain up there. Kazali. Oh mate. Mm. Um, Mike Brady. Brady. Yeah. Mike Brady. They should be out there with Mike. Like it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's insane to me that these guys don't get more credit because, that was the formula, right? Instead of getting Birds of Tokyo to sing the Eagles song, just get the fabled singers back, man. Like you don't you don't need anything else. Underrepresented much like cows, I think. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I think it's a blight on our national game. But there might there's obviously some like royalty um, kind of issues or something going on here. But the fable singers versions of all the footy songs aren't on Spotify and it's disgraceful. It's, it's actual bullshit. I used to have a CD <laughs> that had all the songs on it and it was the, the Fable Singers with all of them. And I, I think I've still got it somewhere. I just don't have any contraption that can play a CD anymore. So that's my issue. Like I've got the CD and it's useless now. <laughs> I've got a book um, with all the music um, 
of the, uh, the all the footy songs uh, written down in musical notation. And in the top right corner, it's got the original songs that all the footy songs are based off. I looked up all these original songs and none of them are really much like what they've become at all. They just like plucked one little line out of the melody and the, the writers yeah. of Fable Sing has done absolute wonders. It's so good. Yeah. But should we yeah. move on to your second love, Ryan? Yes, let's do that. Okay, so my second love is, um, and, it, and, it, and it particularly involves Craig Willis. Now, Craig Willis is the guy who used to do all of the AFL announcements, right? So he had that powerful, booming voice. Anyone who's listened to footy in the last, I don't know, 30, 40 years would remember Craig Willis's voice. And, you know, is it welcome to the 2021 AFL Grand Final? Now, he doesn't do it anymore. He doesn't do the presentation anymore which is gut-wrenching. So my, my second love is a combination of Craig Willis's voice mixed with how we read out the premiership players in number order after they win the flag. Like I can remember being a little kid and watching game, grand finals and, and just trying to remember each number before it got announced and they would come up and I'd be like, oh, what number's like the star player? Well, Kerry's coming up. He's number 18. He's, and they're going to get a big cheer for him. Like it's it's just this one – and no one else does that. Like you just read the name out, right? Like in any other sport, they all just sort of jump on a stage together and like maybe you might bring them up one by one, but you don't do the whole number order thing. It's it's one of those weird little unique parts of our game that I just – I think it's it's kind of sweet. And Craig Willis's voice on top of that, iconic. Well, I love the fact that you touched on Craig Willis because – I've been a massive fan for years and I think, Harper, I've brought this up with you before we started this podcast. Many times. There's there's another gentleman floating around that uh, doesn't get enough credit for his work, but I don't know if you're aware of the name Rod Mulliner, Ryan, but he does the Channel 7 promos. Oh, is that the guy? Yeah. I love that guy. Yeah. So (laughs) it took me a little while to work out that they're two different people, Craig Willis and Rod Mulliner. and. Yeah, but they're, both, they're both beautiful in their own right because Craig, he does the used to do the presentations on the ground and have that beautiful yeah. voice. And then nothing, I don't know, maybe you guys agree, maybe you don't, I don't know, but nothing gets me going more than when Rod Marliner, the Tigers and the Pies this Friday, not like before the game, sort of thing. Yeah, there well, they do those better. big packages. There's like, um, like a two minute package before the game. There was one awesome one. I reckon it was Carlton were involved this year. It was like towards the end of the season. It must have been a Friday night. And, like, I was ready to run through a brick wall, like, after listening to Rob – is it Malinar? Rob Malinar? Rob like, Malinar. The wall, oh, the tone that he uses and, like, <laughs> the, it's so cool. Like, I, I love that. It's the it blood makes, pumping, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, it really does. And they, they've got this – they make it – like, they can take Paddy Cripps who by, other than his football ability, he's a really nice fella, Paddy. But, like, he can turn Paddy Cripps into Superman, like, just by using a few words and a certain tone and some slow motion pictures. And it's like, yeah, fucking Paddy Cripps, man. Like, I'm all the way in here. Like, it's it's really good. Well, in yeah. my eyes, he's when... Superman, but that's 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 up for you <laughs> yeah. guys, as well. <laughs> was it Craig Willis, the guy that you said was the grand final announcer? Yeah. Dude? 
Um, yeah. It's so good when there's a star player and there's a particular rumbling tone of voice that he uses when that star yeah. player is coming up onto the dais yes. to collect their medal. It's like, number four, Dustin Martin. That yes. kind of thing. I can't do it well, but it's it's that kind of thing. And it's because he knew my, Craig had a radar for it. Mm, oh, he absolutely, he did. And there's this. I've I've never been to a grand final, but I feel like there's a sense of anticipation that builds, uh, like in the players preceding the star player um, before he comes up to collect his premiership medal. And I think it's a real shame that Dustin Martin has such a low number because three-time Norm Smith medal winner, um, three-time premiership player, obviously, and he he was just out of the way right at the start. And then you had to wait until Trent Cochin, the captain, this is a good point. Right at the end. To and, get and do you know it's like big, a big thing, right? Well, it's, a, it's a big thing within clubs to get low numbers. Like, so all the mm. players kind of want to have a low number because that kind of means you're you're in the, the best group of players at the club. Like, I know, like, at the Eagles, they call the low numbers Mayfair. Like, because it's like, you know, there's <laughs> star after star after star. Maybe not so much yeah. now. But in their heyday, um, it was like all the guns are in that sort of row. Um, and it maybe it should be the other way around. Like, I remember that Richmond Grand Final with Marlon Pickett, and he was number 50, I think. And when his name got read out, I don't think I've ever heard a louder roar. And the anticipation, like everyone kind of must have forgotten about Pickett because it was like, yeah, Dusty, you know, Tom Lynch, Revolt. And then, like, then it was like, oh, yeah, Marlon Pickett, like, playing his first game in a grand final. It was insane. I have never heard a roar like that in my life. It was magic. So, yeah. It, I, what do you reckon the, the ideal number is for a superstar? Because, as you say, Dusty was a bit too soon. Like, I feel like it's somewhere in the 15 to 25 range. That's exactly oh, – I was thinking high teens, low 20s, yeah. Matthew oh, yeah. Ross 18. Perfect. Yeah. Carey, Lloyd, McKenna. No, McKenna wasn't 18. Tony Evans. Yeah. I was thinking three digits. <laughs> three, three you digits. want to go triple digit. <laughs> Number <laughs> 832. Good <laughs> Craig Willis impression. Just, yeah. oh, thank you. Appreciate <laughs> it. This might be my Boba Bias showing, I think, a little bit, but on the very, very low chance – that Anthony McDonald Tippett Woody returns to the club <laughs> next year and Eston wins the premiership. Number 43, Anthony McDonald Tippett Woody. The roar that follows that will be, like be nothing one. else heard in human history. Jesus, oh. a bit that has to, the bit that has to happen for that to happen, I reckon. Let alone <laughs> Will Setterfield's <laughs> little bit. got him right for right, right for right. He's rightfully taken his spot in the, in the 43 jumper, surely. More credentials. <laughs> big body, Mate, big body. Yeah. Tipper needs to get back before the numbers get um, <laughs> announced so he can claim the number 43. It's very important, very important. The contract can I just, needs to be re-signed. Can I just add one last thing on this discussion? I think it is good that they, they keep the captains till last. That just makes perfect sense mm. to mine. And obviously, agree, captain, yeah. very well revered. They get read out last, and then they just get to stand on the podium. Like that's that's so well thought out. I've got a bugbear with the only thing I'm not sure if they've got right. Maybe they do have it right. I don't know, but I do feel like when when they name the Norm Smith medalist, it feels really quick. 
Like it's like the first yep. thing they do and then it's kind of like, oh, who won it? Who won the norm? Because usually at that point you're still like you're getting a new beer or you're going to the dunny or whatever. Maybe, maybe they could just slip it in, right? So <laughs> let's say you're tipper and you win the norm next year when the Bombers win the flag. Yeah. And they go, you know, number 43 and this year's Norm Smith medalist. Like they just yes. throw it in there. That just is it. Just so funny you say that. Uh, just before you said that, that is the exact thought that came through my mind. But then <laughs> I thought, what if there's a Chris Judd situation where you win the Norm Smith and you're on the losing team? That would be awkward. That would be super awkward. That would be. Yeah. Do you know when, this when thing? Did you, you know about, about the Norm Smith? Do you know what bugs me about the Norm Smith medal? Is that, you know, they vote on it, like, when there's, like, 10 minutes to go. Do, do they yeah. still do that? They Has still that do that. Yeah, right. Has it okay. changed? Because the time it takes to collate the votes, get them communicated, I don't know. There doesn't seem to be enough of an excuse for me. Because I'm In like, this era of instant communication, especially. Correct. What if you've got two players who are pretty close to even and then one of them ends up kicking the winning goal? Like, shouldn't that guy just get the norm? Like, and But then you voted for the other guy because it's 10 minutes ago. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't like that. I feel like it should be like, just wait till the siren. Mm. I mean, how many laps around the oval have they done before you get to announce it anyway? Like, there's time. There's enough time now. That's that's a very good point. I was just playing FIFA, and they always is slightly off topic, but they always come over the ground announcing with about ten minutes left in the game and announce the player of the match. There's still ten minutes that. left. What if yeah? What if they kick two goals in the last ten and equalize the game? That's that is yeah. like running a marathon and then getting to like the thirty eighth k and being like, okay, here's your medal, great job, see you later. Like, it's like no, there's still a bit to go. Like, it, it doesn't make any sense. Oh, not not one bit. And you could have some dude in bloody Rio de Janeiro or Warsaw, just you could send a text to the Norm Smith Medal officials when the siren goes and have it work just like that. Or is there yeah. something that I'm missing? I don't know. I don't know. There must be another reason for it. I'm going to find out. Mm. I'm going to find Tradition. out. Tradition. Yeah. <laughs> Footy dictionary yeah. investigation. But we should move on to love number three, Ryan. What have you got for us? Okay. So love number three, because like not so much in the last few years, I'm getting old and I'm starting to forget things, but there was a real phase there for me where I was obsessed with drafts, trade periods, all of the machinations that go into building a premiership list. And I used to love looking back at, I still do, looking back at old drafts and just seeing, A, the incredible gold that you can find at late picks, or B, the mistakes that clubs make that are just so horrific. And and all of the, one of the things I love in any movie or TV show, if you give me a movie or a TV show that has like sliding doors or the butterfly effect, you know, where it's like, if this one thing happens, it can change, you know, destiny and the future of everybody. You know, when they go back in time and they're like, don't touch anything because it could change, you know, all of this stuff in the future. Like if you look at, let's just, I looked at the 2001 draft, for instance, right? The iconic draft. It's probably the one that everybody was first to. Super draft. Just that draft alone. It, there's so many different ways it could have panned out. So many mistakes were made. So many things were nailed that it impacted like, I don't know, at least five premierships, probably closer to 10. Like 
on that day, Geelong went into that draft. They had pick eight, solid pick, right? Nothing amazing. Pick 17, pick 24, and then they had pick 40. Now, they knew they were going to use pick 40 to get Gary Ablett Jr. Pretty handy free kick for a father-son, right? So they already knew they were getting a pretty good pick. But then at eight, they take Jimmy Bartell. At 17, they take James Kelly. And at 24, they take Stevie Johnson. Like, they literally just set up their entire premiership-winning core in one draft with a bunch of picks that, going into it, you wouldn't have assumed they could get one superstar, let alone four or three three superstars and a very good player in James Kelly. Like, it doesn't make any sense, but that's what I love. Like, Geelong has literally set themselves up for three flags on one day. Now, had they just gone slightly to the left, like there was a dude who went at pick nine after Bartell called Luke Molan, who went to Melbourne. What if, like, someone in the Geelong recruiting was like, nah, nah, not Bartel, let's go Molan. He's the guy. Then, like, maybe they don't win three flags. Or maybe they do. Who knows? Flip side, maybe Luke Molan's a three-time premiership player. And a Brownlow medalist. And yeah, oh, my favourite stat, I'm just going to swerve a little bit here, but my favourite stat, um, and I like to say that I I created this stat. Well, it's not a stat, it's more like a trivia question. <laughs> yep. And... See, it's been so – this is what I'm saying about me forgetting stuff now because I'm getting older. But the number of players who have done it now I think is five. And this is players who have won a premiership, a Brownlow, and a Norm Smith medal. And I think there's only five still to have done it. And it's, so it's my favourite trivia question to ask, and it, and it takes people a very long time to get the five players. <laughs> I don't know. If, do you want to have a crack at it? I reckon we can we'll rattle them off. We got Chris oh, Judd. Yes, Martin. correct. Judd is yes. the obvious one. Dusty. So, wait, was it Premiership Norm Smith Brownlow? Was that it? Yes, all three. Okay. Um, Juddy, Dusty. Judd. And now um, Black. Uh, oh, no. Simon Black is a good one. Yes. That's a good one, yeah. Are there... Heard. Yes, James Heard. Yeah. And Williams. Bang. There's one more that you're forgetting. So it's actually six. Yeah, it's actually six. six. So Dusty became the six. There's one more. (laughs) I can't believe he got Diesel. That's good. No one gets Diesel. That's very good. Yeah, Carlton fan, to be fair. Right, Um, of course. There you go. There's one more you're forgetting, and it's uh, the guy we were just talking about, Luke Molan. (laughs) No, it's Jimmy Bartell. It's it's Jimmy Bartell. I was going to say Jimmy Bartell. I didn't realise he wanted Norm Smith. Yeah, he won a Norm Smith. So that, that that's a pretty cool little collection of players. Um, and that's he did win it. He like did win a Norm, last... didn't he? I haven't yeah, like he made this up. Did yeah, he did. Uh, you're right. <laughs> he did. Yeah. Okay, but that's funny because all those players are pretty much from the last thirty years. Yeah, well, they only started naming Norm Smith medalists in I think '81. So. Oh, okay. it can 81. only be. Right. Okay. I think it was eighty-one. I think Morris Rioli might have been the first one. I think, or maybe it was Harms. Right. It's around that think, mark. Yeah. But Wayne Harms. Then even the then, yeah. Um, you've got Diesel Williams, who was the first Norm Smith winner chronologically. I think in that list in what year ninety-five, and then yeah. all the other ones 
after that. So you've got yeah. 81, like you say. It's a 14, 14 years with none of it. Yeah, and, and until Dusty and Jimmy did it, it was ages. Like there was just that little, that little stretch there. And a lot of people throw in guys like, oh, Michael Voss didn't win a norm. Nathan Buckley didn't win a flag. Um, there's like a bunch of dudes. Um, and then you could add layers to it. I think like um, there's an, there was another one that it's like if you add um, a second brown low, I think it's just Diesel and Judd. Is that right? Anyway, we're, we're, yeah. we've swerved way off my old draft thing here. Um, <laughs> but I love looking back at old drafts. That draft is just one example of it. But there's, And there's often little patches where, like, Melbourne's recruiting before they nailed the Petrarca, Oliver, Viney sort of stretch. There was a stretch there of about eight drafts where they just completely butchered every single draft pick they made and then failed to develop any players at all. And it's like you just you can look back and just go, what were they doing? What were they thinking? I love it. Um, and then finding the diamonds in the rough. That 2001, Dane Swan goes at pick 58. Like, Paul Medhurst goes at pick 56. Dan Mitchell goes at pick 36. And in that, so that Mitchell at 36, Luke Hodge went at one, right? Arguably two of the greatest Hawthorne players of all time. Not arguably, they are. Those guys should have been at Fremantle because Fremantle, that was the year when they traded for Trent Crowe and gave up pick one and pick 36. Like, that's insane. It's mm. it's unbelievable to look back on it. It's probably I, I don't reckon you think about it as much when the actual drafts on. As, so the draft yeah. will come up this year, and you know obviously you go into it with a look at your club and you've got ideas of who you want to pick up, but you're not thinking about hang on in five to ten years time could this draft really you know yeah. define our our legacy? Um, and on that, I just want to ask because you say you look back at drafts, but what are your thoughts on saying teams have or clubs have won or lost draft periods after like a day after the draft. Can you say they won it 24 hours after they've picked up the pick 36? Well, you you can't. You can because people need clickbait, but you cannot grade it. Like I I reckon the earliest you could ever grade a draft, it's probably five years. I reckon you could make an argument that after three years you can get a pretty good look at it. Like – there's obviously guys who went late and you could be like, oh, no, that guy should have been a top three or four pick and, and vice versa. Um, but there's no way you know in the moment because look at Geelong that day. We would have looked at Geelong and gone, ah, well, they did okay. Turns out they it was an A++++, like the greatest draft hall probably ever. Um, but we wouldn't have known on the day and we're probably like, yeah, we give, um, I don't know, North Melbourne great get David Hale at seven. It was like in Bartell went at eight, like – you know, like we just – we don't know anything in the moment. We don't know – all these kids can play footy. My experience in the draft is literally all of them can play footy, just how they fit in, how you develop them, like injuries, bad luck, like all kinds of crap goes into them making making them a star or someone who's out of the AFL in two years. You know, it's not just where you get picked. Well, if, if Paddy McCartan stayed at St Kilda and turned into what he is now, the narrative on how they went in that draft would just be completely flipped, wouldn't it? But obviously yep. had, what was it, one year off and then went to Sydney. So, yeah, just mm-hmm. completely changes the direction of the story. But I think it's time to get a bit irritational, a bit irritated, Ryan, mm. uh, and get yes. into your three hates of football. What's your first one? Okay, so, look, I hate the trade period and I – it's a complicated relationship because a part of me loves it 
but I also hate it at the same time. Um, as a journalist working in it, it's pretty frantic. You're trying to keep up with all the different storylines. For me, being in WA, trying to keep up with what Fremantle and West Coast are doing in particular, you're trying to make as many calls as you can. You're trying to get the news before anybody else gets it. Why? I don't actually know why we give a shit who gets it first. I can't figure out why, but 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 it does seem to matter. So you try to you try to go as quick as you can, and you might be two minutes early or two minutes late, and it can define your entire day, or your entire week, or your entire career. Um, so I hate that part of it to a degree, but I also love it. The thing that I think we we don't do right with trade period is why do we even have a trade period? Like, why can't we just have this open market where if one club has two Ruckman injured and they need a Ruckman, they can just go and trade for one. Like, and if they need a back pocket because they they might win a flag, but they're a little short in defence, maybe they can go and get a back pocket. I don't understand why we can't just have that for a good portion of the year rather than this two-week period where trade radio takes over and, like, we all just become obsessed with – Zane Cordy getting traded to St Kilda because it matters for 24 hours. It's like it's, it, that, that part of it drives me completely mad. <laughs> I think we're slipping a little bit into SEN talkback with <laughs> you ended that point. But I want to <laughs> touch on um, you you're talking about the frantic nature of trade period as a journalist yeah. and trying to be the first on the news and the first to tweet about mm. X story, X player. Have you ever made a little slip up? Um, who was it? John, John Ralph uh, made a <laughs> bit of an infamous one earlier this season. Do you, have you ever made a slip up like that, that you've had to delete one that you willing to talk oh, about? Oh yeah. With? Yeah. Yeah. And the Dugowie one. So I think are you talk about the Dugowie one with John Ralph earlier this year. Uh, yes, it was Dugowie. Yeah. The sus- yeah. Well, sus- I did that suspended too. Fine. Yeah. So he thought yeah. he got suspended. Suspended. Me yeah. too. And so I did the same thing. And I think there was about four or five of us. I can't remember who the other journos were. But the way it, well, the weird thing with that was when the release came through from Collingwood, I read the release word for word. And somehow my brain did what John's brain did and the other guys and just said, oh, he's suspended, blah, 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 blah. And, and I went with it, and then I stopped for a minute and went, hold on a minute, I'm going to read that again. And I read it again. I was like, nope, that's not right. And then I deleted it, and then you wouldn't believe how quickly Collingwood fans can screenshot things these days. <laughs> they, they were onto it. And fair enough. And I look, I, I'm, I've been doing this for like 15 years now, but I'm still learning lessons. And, like, you, you, you do need to take a breath sometimes and take a beat. There's this like part of you that really wants to be first because being first has currency. Like if you look at someone now like Cal Toomey, geez, we're getting very serious, aren't we? Um, if, you, if you look at like Cal Toomey now, right, he's broken this Jason Horn francis story. He's broken the Brett Ratton story. Right now, Cal Toomey's currency as a, as a person you want to employ if you're a news agency is extremely high. Like he's working for AFL.com. I, I would be shocked if, you know, the, the Sevens and the Nines and the Herald Sons of the world aren't asking the question of Cow, saying, mate, how about you come and do that stuff for us? Like, there's a real commercial value in it because if you're first, people will come to you. Um, if, you if you're right all the time, like Cow really he genuinely is, like I don't think there's been one instance I can remember where he's gone um, and had incorrect information. Like, there's real value in that. And so I know the punters are all like, 
oh, just, you know, better to don't, – don't have to be first. Who cares if you're first? Well, in our industry, it does matter. Like, there's real value attached to it, but the trick is to somehow be right as well as being first, and that's the really hard part because often you can get info and it's right or it's 70% right, but that 30% is really important. Like, you know, like the Degoe thing, for instance, like, you know, the, yeah, he, in some ways he was – he did cop a band, but it's not a real band. Like, it's, just, it's a suspended band. So it's like it's not really the same thing. But if someone gives you – well, someone could give you that info and said, yeah, he's, he's banned for whatever weeks it was. And then, like, they send another text, like, 30 seconds later. It's like, but it's suspended. Like, there's every chance you go with it before you get that second text. Do you know what I mean? So mm. it's, it's a really difficult thing to navigate. Um, and trade period is sort of like the highest level of it. Like it's it's kind of nuts. More of a uh, a journalistic thing, I think, instead of a football wide thing. But it, it would be a very difficult thing to traverse sometimes when you when you want to run with information, but you can't, or you're not not 100 percent sure about it. It'd be, it'd be tricky, especially you know with Twitter, the Collingwood fans of the world, and the Carlton fans, and the Essendon fans, yeah. like. You'd be pushing you shit up Yeah, you get smashed. And sometimes you'll go with something and, like, it'll, it might take a few days for it to get confirmed by a club or a player or whatever. Um, and for those three days, you might cop a bit of shit. Um, there was one I had a couple of years ago, or probably about a year ago, actually, with Lockie Neal and him wanting to go back to Fremantle. Do you guys remember that one? Yeah. 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 Yep. So, so, like, I sat on that story for, like, two weeks, right? Like... So I knew there was interest for him to go to Fremantle, but I couldn't do the story because I'd, I'd sort of promised the source that I got it from that I would hold it until after Brisbane were out of the final series. And once Brisbane were out, I think they lost in like a really close game, came to the next day and I'd like, right, I've been sitting on this for two weeks. There's probably other journos who know about it and might be doing the same thing. Um, and then so ideally I probably would have waited another few days for that story to um, to break it, and then it might have been more developed, but I couldn't wait. So it was accurate, like he had interest in coming back to Fremantle and there had been conversations, but did he get to Fremantle? No. And partially I, I do believe that that story being broken early impacted his ability to get to Fremantle. Like, wow. so it's some, yeah, in some ways, well, I don't believe that. I know that for a fact. Like I've had conversations with people since, <laughs> and it, because it disrupted the Brisbane side of things. They weren't aware of it. They got, you know, they ramped up really quickly and um, things got pivoted. And Lockie had a fantastic season, signed a new contract. Fremantle had a great year and have kind of moved on. So it kind of worked out well for everybody. But at the time, like, it was pretty chaotic. I copped a lot of abuse from some Brisbane fans. But I was like, the story's right, mate. Like, Lockie confirmed it. Brisbane confirmed it. Fremantle confirmed it. What more do you want from me? Um yeah, so even when you're wrong, and, you can be wrong. Yeah. And if Neil went on to win the Brownlow this year, I'm sure you would have put your hand up first and said, I take full responsibility for it. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Just one, one more thing before we move on to your second hack, because I know we're running out of time, but is there a wor- the, uh, worst set of supporters to cop shit from? Um, Collingwood are pretty bad. Like, And I know there's like that whole, oh, Collingwood fans are – a ferals in there, you know, got no teeth and all that. But they're really, they're really passionate. Um, 
and they're very protective of their players. I would say they're right up there. Um, one that surprised me this year was North Melbourne. Like I wrote, I wrote a piece for the paper over here about some mistakes that North Melbourne have been making over the years and how that club has just, it's, you know, put itself in a really tough position. This is before the Clarko hire. Um, and I copped it. Like the North Melbourne fans came at me like real hard. And I was like, wow. Like, a part of me wanted to reply and say, I didn't know North had any members, but I didn't. <laughs> I took the high road. Um, but yeah, and that people love their footy teams. Like they really do. Like it's life Especially and death stuff. when it's, Backs against the wall, like you feel yep. like everyone's against you when you're shit. Like yep. Essendon fan and Carlton fan in this online meeting would know a lot about that. So I, I feel like that's yeah, the passion comes out um, extra fiery in that. It's, it's like it's like when you have kids and you're like, no one else can criticise my kids, only I can. <laughs> it's the same with your footy team. It's <laughs> nice to see the shin bone of spirit still alive and well. Oh, it's in there. It's still there. <laughs> Uh, right, should we move on to your hate, uh, your hate about the songs? Um, and we might make this a quickish one so we can focus more on number three. The moment it hit me is that songs after goals is, is just shit. And, and obviously, I think this all kicked off in that Gabba grand final. That was when we first noticed it because I think the Gabba had been doing it for a while, but it's, the, you know, Brisbane are a bit off Broadway. Like you, you don't always watch Brisbane games maybe or every week and maybe you don't pick it up when you're watching it casually unless you're there. I was at that grand final at the Gabba and like it's a grand final. And I know it was a weird grand final because of COVID and it was a different place and all that. But like I think Dusty Martin kicked his goal and it was like one of the great goals in grand final history. And then like Britney Spears like, oops, I did it again. He's pumping out. In the sp- and I'm like, what the f- is going on like this is a graph I don't need to be pumped up by Brittany here I'm already feeling completely alive like <laughs> we don't need it I, I do the one part of it I do like is getting an insight into personalities of players so like you know Charlie Cameron with Country Road or like I think Joe Danaher's the Frozen song like I do like go. That, yep. yeah I do like that we get that little taste of like what song are they going to pick and it's their song for the year and if, like, a random defender kicks a goal and you haven't heard the song before, it's like, oh, that's this song. Like, so there's part of me who likes it, but not in grand finals, not in finals, definitely not. Um, and I'm still not sure about the regular game stuff either. It's, it's one of the perks, I think, of watching games, while well, particularly grand finals, on Channel 7 because yeah. they, they have the ad break and you, you, you miss it. Um, so yeah. um, <laughs> I'm fortunate enough to have Foxtel, but then you have to watch the grand final on Channel 7. And that's true. That's really annoying. But um, if they it was are. a Gabba grand final, for example, you miss the music. And it's an off-putting thing about the AFLW. I've really gotten into the AFLW this season with Essendon coming in, but it's the booming songs the poppy songs of 2013 or whatever it is, just yeah. playing all around the ground on the shitty tinny speakers at Vic Park, V-I-C-P-K, is just <laughs> horrific. Yeah, it's just that call me maybe, like, blaring into your ears. It's like, is it, you're like, I don't, I don't need this. I, I'm already here and excited to be here. Like, it's weird. It's disgusting. Harper, it is nice to have someone that agrees with me on the, the Gabba song point with the, the individual player songs. I do like uh, that. Yeah, we we have spoken about this in at, at length 
ad nauseum half and I with the, the Gabba songs. And On many episodes. I've made my stance. He's made his stance. So I think we should leave it there. Daniel Turdy's made his correct stance as well. <laughs> oh, and, and, and Ryan's made his correct stance. So I think uh, we should leave it there. Yeah, well, okay. I hope our next guest is on my side, so it's 3v2. But, uh, Ryan, move on to your third uh, hate. Yeah, so my third hate is um, a lack of analytics. Now, I, I like, I like, I'm really into my NBA basketball, and I think a few years ago, like, the game sort of shifted, and, and a lot of that came because of the analytics. So, and for ana- people who aren't that into it statistics-wise, it's basically it's the stats, but it's like the next level of stats. And it's, it's the ability to read the game through numbers and see trends and maybe identify those trends and think, hey, we should play this way or that way or this player does things like this and we should probably stop him using that. Now, I know the clubs get way more access to this stuff than we do. Like, we get the kicks, the handballs, the fantasy-type stats, the real basic shit. But all we get is this fingernail-deep sort of analysis with those stats like, I would love to know, like, and I think most people would understand the game better. If we could track, like, where players are running, their running patterns, um, you know, how many steps. If Dustin Martin takes three steps before he kicks or four steps, is one more accurate than the other? Like, that sort of stuff, like, where it's like a next level. And then so if you're the opposition, you're like, make him kick off the third step. Don't let him have that fourth step. Because if he has four steps... He hits a target 98% of the time, but if he has three steps, it's only at 73. You know, like stuff like that, which sounds ridiculous, but if we're trying to get right to the absolute – because that's what happens in the NBA, right? They're like, don't let Curry dribble the ball, dribble the ball three times because if he does that, it's like he doesn't miss. You know, it, or at this exact spot on the court, don't let him shoot from there. Push him one step to the left and he can't hit it there. Like that's the stuff I want to see. I was just going to say – I love the idea, and I've oh, personally, I, I, I agree with you about the um, the GPS numbers. I know they release how many kilometers everyone's run a game. Yeah, seeing yeah. just a glimpse of it firsthand with the GPS trackers, I'd love for that to be made more publicly available. How they mm-hmm. break down high high sprint efforts, and then yep. you know time spent jogging, time spent running, mm-hmm. time spent walking. Where yeah. and that shows their pattern on the ground. I'd love for that to be made publicly available. And I think that'd add another layer of in- mm. interest into the game. I don't know about well, you, Harper, but we get we get the Telstra tracker from Ryan's employer, but that's very surface level, isn't it? It, it is. Go- that's what I mean. It's like, oh, he ran twenty k's. Mm. It's like, oh, that's really impressive. But that's like that's all I get. Like, I need more than that. I was going to say, I, I know. Well, I don't know. AFL clubs, but I know most recruiters and that, they don't value how far a player's run, ran in a game, but they value how many high-speed sprint efforts a player's made or how often they're running at high velocity, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't think much of the public are aware of that. They just see the basic number of kilometres ran. But if this information was more widely available, it would certainly, you know, open up the eyes of the more general supporters, I think. Yeah, and so they have this stuff. They actually have the information. Or not, maybe not the Dustin Martin three kicks, three steps or four steps thing, but they have a lot of that stuff and they just keep it. The champion data who the AFL own, 
they have the stats. But if you want them, you have to pay like this incredibly stupid amount of money. And then like you have to still be able to, to decipher what the stats mean. And we don't we don't get much of that. Like sometimes on the couch we'll use stuff like that and they'll do a little bit of a deeper analysis. But we don't get mm. we don't get the detail. We don't get the detail. I think a um, possible reason for the obsession with the more simple stats from the um, the media outlets uh, in Aussie rules is that there's so much influence from gambling companies in footy and sport in Australia in general, really, and that it's easier to bet on the simple stats compared to the if this happens, then this happens type mm. stats, isn't it? Like it's just your simple number, yeah, over or under 30 disposals or whatever it is. Um, yeah. And it's like... Oh, I could go on a massive rant about this, but you've got um, just in the palm of your hand on the AFL app, you can bet on a million different things, but none of them are the uh, more specific stats that we're all yearning for. Over and under repeat sprints. Uh, yeah, should be a good one. Maybe we're just a dumb country. Maybe they've just dumbed it down for us because they think we wouldn't understand <laughs> any more complex stuff. Yeah, that's probably it. <laughs> Do you get access to champion data yourself, Ron? No, I don't. So um, from a news perspective, we don't. When I do like uh, – if I do like the boundary for, for seven if the games are over here, I'll get like some great stats from Swampy or Josh Kay, who are two of the, the stats guys for seven. They're like superhuman the stats dudes. Absolutely. They're amazing. Um, so they'll do like a pack of stuff and it's like put some really good stuff in it. Um, and you get some extra champion data stuff. But from a news perspective, no, we don't get any of that. So we'd have to pay another subscription to get that. We just don't. <laughs> one, one final question before we let you go, Ryan. I was listening yeah. to a podcast probably almost a year ago now with Swamp. Um, uh, I think it might have been with Will Schofield or something. Oh, yeah. um, uh, and they addressed him as Swamp. They didn't know or they said they didn't know his real name. And Swamp said no one knows my real name other than like Bruce McAvaney or something. Do you know his real name? <laughs> Do you know what? I don't off the top of my head, but I, I feel like, I feel like I have come across it once and been like, who's that? And then someone was like, that's what I, I'm pretty sure oh. I, maybe he's don't legally to changed or anything. it I don't think I know it, I, 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 but I do think there was a moment where I was like, who's that? Like, what's that name on? Because sometimes you get like an email list comes out and you know all the names on it, but there's one you don't know or like, you know, that sort of thing, you know, but he's in my phone as Swamp. Like I don't have, a, you know, I don't, I don't have his name in there. It's, <laughs> I reckon that just makes him more revered. Same, same. Yeah. I saw him, exactly. I saw him last week actually at the WBBL. He's um he's magnificent. <laughs> really? Is he is he WA based guy? No, he just he'll fly with, with the team. Like um oh, flying around. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's like a it's a full time geek. Like it's it's like it's awesome. So he does a cricket, does a footy, um, and yeah, he's he's all over it. Swamp, if you'd like to come on the footy dictionary, reach out to us. You need <laughs> you need to get him on. That would be amazing. <laughs> He'd be so good. He'd be amazing. We'd love to have you, mate. And Ryan I think that just about wraps us up. We've got to let you go, and we've loved having you. It's been awesome. So thank you very much. No, nah, it's been great, guys. I was really excited to come on. Um, keep doing what you're doing. Like, it's in the love of the game and, and the hate of the game. It's it's all there. 
<laughs> All covered, <laughs> mate. Thank you very much. <laughs> thanks, Rhino. Thanks. Thanks, boys. I'll talk to you soon. Hamish, thanks to you too. See you, mate. We'll catch you next week, guys. Catch up.